Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 201 of Citizen Dame, (laughs) the podcast where we have actually recorded, we've really recorded more than than 201 episodes now, um, including bonuses and episodes that have been lost. Uh, but, but we are on episode 201. We are very excited and I am here in New York. I am Lauren Humphreys Brooks and with me as always far across the country is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hello. Uh, I learned where Chevy Chase Canyon is this morning and I think we are all the better for it. I saw that on Twitter. I was like, (laughs) what the fuck are people talking about? This is, this must be a California thing that I don't understand. So we all at about nine o'clock this morning got a emergency alert everyone in la county and a couple of other nearby counties as well got this emergency alert that said basically if you live in chevy chase canyon you have to evacuate immediately to to glendale community college lot b or something like that and i was just so i assumed it's a you know a fire there's just a big fire that was going on this week. I think it's still burning down uh, in South Orange County. Big, expensive, beautiful homes were lost. It's really sad. And so, you know, this is fire season. It's been crazy hot. The wind has been kicking up. So I just figured, oh, it's a big, you know, big fire when I saw that. But also I was just like, where's Chevy Chase Canyon? I've literally never heard of that. I figured from context clues that it was near Glendale Community College. So and I know where that is. But, uh... Yeah, so I went on Twitter, as one does when there's a potential emergency in- <laughs> happening, and saw a lot of people were very confused, and then I saw tweets from the city of Glendale that were like, yeah, by the way, this is a drill. You should go. It's a drill. And I'm guessing very few people went. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they followed it up like 40 minutes later with a, hi, by the way, just kidding, it was a drill thing, like, disregard. <laughs> And we're like, yeah, you already freaked out all of Southern California. It's a little late. <laughs> what the fuck is Chevy Chase Canyon? Do I live in Chevy Chase Canyon? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anymore. I, I mean, on a similar note, my I have a friend who lives in Hawaii. And if you remember a couple oh, of years ago. Oh, my gosh, there was, yes. There was that, like, you know, incoming nuclear, nuclear missile. Nuclear strike. Like, holy yeah. crap. <laughs> and, and, and the funny thing was, like, I, a, a lot of us on the the, the mainland, uh, like, I didn't know about it until she was just like, by the way, there was no nuclear strike. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> You're like, well, that's good. And, but she, I mean, it sounds like it was, it was just, it was terrifying. As if, of course, it would be. It was just like, oh my, oh my God, that's like yeah. horrifying. Also, they send you guys texts. It's just like, yeah, I don't know what they expect us to do exactly. Like, just like, ah, take shelter. Take shelter and pray. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Everybody kiss their ass goodbye. Like, exactly. very. It's very, but yeah. So yeah, that so. that kind of thing is always is always weird. I just I, the whole thing with this like drill. Okay, if you want the residents to participate in a drill, do a bunch of community outreach and let people know ahead of time, and really you know try to get people in, involved and engaged. Make sure that you set your your parameters correctly when you're sending out a massive text message. And also, if you're not going to warn people ahead of time that it's a drill because you want them to treat it like it's, un- like it's the real thing, then you need to understand the world that we live in. The first thing anybody's going to do is go to Twitter and see if it's legit. <laughs> I love that the immediate reaction is just, I'm going to check on Twitter to see if I need to evacuate. Exactly. Um, from this place that I never even heard of. Wow. Exactly. Well, there you go. So that's what's taking place on the West Coast. How's New York today? 
New York is fine. We've had, we've, we're, it's getting warmer. Um, it's been very rainy and foggy. Manhattan vanished last night, which was quite exciting. Uh, and <laughs> was it a uh, nuclear strike? <laughs> well, it was really weird actually, because, because of where I live in Brooklyn, I kind of live, I live on one of the highest points in Brooklyn. It's, it's the Heights literally. Um, and, and so I have a really good view from my balcony of the Manhattan skyline, which is great, but there was a heavy fog last night and you do based, have a great view from your balcony. I'm based, always jealous when you post your pictures. It's, <laughs> it's the best thing about this apartment, honestly. And, um, but I so I have a good view of the Manhattan skyline and the Manhattan skyline wasn't there. Basically the fog was so thick, like you could not see the lights of Manhattan at all. Wow. Uh, and That's it's all so it, eerie. It happens every once in a while, but it's really weird because suddenly you're like, I'm in this massive city and then suddenly you just feel very closed off. Uh, yeah, so so that was fun. Yeah. But otherwise, it is, we have lovely weather here right now, although it has been getting darker and grayer as the day has gone on. That's rude. Speaking of dark and gray, <laughs> uh, Zack Snyder. <laughs> it's a good segue nice. right there. Nice, this, we don't need to spend a great deal of time on this just because we're not doing, we don't tend to do news things anymore, but I found this really, really funny. Basically, and, we just wanted to talk about this so we could go, ha, ha, but I, ha, I want ha. to share it with all of our listeners and to laugh at the fact that this is a thing. So if, if we remember uh, at, at this year's Oscars, the Oscars did a, a very ill-advised thing. One of many ill-advised things <laughs> this year's Oscars, really. Um, they were trying like, to increase viewer engagement. Yeah, and so they did a, a hashtag Oscars fan favorite and Oscars cheer moment <laughs> um, as like a, a, a thing that they sort of, that they kind of showed without any context at the Oscars to kind of, and it was this attempt to kind of engage, try to engage fans, uh, particularly on, on Twitter, obviously. Well, it looks like um, the two the two Zack Snyder films, Army of the Dead, and um, which was named an Oscars fan favorite, and the Flash Speed Force scene from Justice League. I'm sure certain everyone remembers that. I know I do. <laughs> um, was the Oscars cheer moment? Well, it's turned out, uh, according to the rap, it has turned out that. Um, uh, the most active contributors to the polls were automated bot accounts that cast thousands of fake votes. You're kidding! <laughs> Who could have seen that coming? So, for instance, the rap point. So, this is this is from a Vanity Fair article discussing it, and, and there's also a rap article discussing it. Um, the rap pointed out some weird anomalies in polling, including significant one-day spikes in voting, such as a February 27th leap to. 25,000 votes after weeks of daily totals between 4,000 and 15,000. <laughs> um, so there, there was like this, and ba basically the idea is just like someone created bot accounts that then placed votes, which then skewed things in the direction of things like Justice League, et cetera, which is not terribly surprising when we know about Zack Snyder fans, we know kind of the, the way things are pressed. Also, who the fuck remembers Flash Speed Force? Like I watched that, I was like, "What? Is, I don't even know what this is." Like I, I have know. no clue. Like no one except Snyder dorks. Yeah. Um, what's very funny about this, I think, is not only that it's just like, okay, you guys can't are are not capable of winning. That's how that's how much of losers you are. Um, also, just the way that the Snyder fans have, of course, reacted to it is just basically disbelieving and saying, like, that's not true. <laughs> I just I, I think that it is. I mean, they they basically went into it and were like, no, all of these votes were cast. This doesn't make sense. Uh, and and yeah, I, I just find it very funny. And um, and I think that the Snyder, the Snyder bros deserve everything. <laughs> the fact that anybody didn't see this coming is just mind blowing to me. And the fact that the Academy didn't like didn't care to take steps like they wanted to do this but they didn't care to take steps to try to mitigate that is just like what did they think was going to happen well it's so similar to some of the earlier things like Bodie McBoatface you know you mm -hmm. ask you ask people <laughs> first of all people are dumb like people are just dumb and they're silly and if you add if you crowdsource anything for that kind of thing you're going to get the stupidest things resulting from it yeah. Um, and so this this is a good example of it. The fact that it's bot accounts, I think it's even funnier because like, yeah, it's easy. It's not that difficult to make a bot account. These are people with way too much time on their hands. 
Um, and, and that's, that's what they did. But, um, I don't know. I hope that this kind of puts the lid on the Oscars trying to do like, we're going to reach out to the kids. It's just like you, you reached out to the, to the numbskulls. That's what you did. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Zack Snyder's, Zack Snyder's films did not, did not win anything. Uh, thank you very much. No, they did not. On the better side, and we're going to talk about franchises and sequels a little bit today. So on, on the, the more positive side of things, one of our favorite films is actually getting a sequel. And I'm honestly kind of surprised that this is the film that's getting the sequel. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to take it. I am going to take it because of this. I love this film. Uh, a Simple Favor, which was directed by uh, Paul Feig and stars Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick is going to get a sequel uh everybody's coming back it is going to i i don't know exactly like we don't know what form it's going to take because it feels like that film kind of closed some things off mm-hmm. um but everybody's back Puffy is going to direct the stars are back and i mean i'm down for it you know i would also like to see if we're going to start greenlighting paul feig sequels um it would be awesome if we could get another ghostbusters it would be awesome if we could get another spy. I would be really down for that. Yeah. Uh, so come on, guys! Like if we could, if we could get a sequel to, to a simple favor. I think that we could get a sequel to to um, other things too. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, this is just the start. You know, of of the Paul Feig cinematic universe <laughs> sequels and franchises. And... <laughs> I like the idea that all Paul, Paul Feig films happen in the same universe. Actually, I think that that would be fantastic. Like, let's just let's just let's overlap all Megan of them from Bridesmaids. <laughs> and um, uh, oh my gosh, what's her name in uh, Abby? Abby. So Abby, from yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah, let's put them in a movie together and see how that goes. <laughs> It's like Megan is an alternate universe Abby or something like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. You could totally incorporate that into a I Ghostbusters sequel. Love to where see... like a multiverse <laughs> Paul Feig Ghostbusters sequel. Come on, we're doing multiverse movies right now. You know what would be a great like I would love to see those two those two or maybe three meet up would be Helen from Bridesmaids, Jillian Holtzman. And um, Sandra Bullock's character from uh, The Heat. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be so good. Come on. (laughs) They would not know what to do with each other. (laughs) Uh, Also in sequel news, this was one that you didn't believe and that I didn't believe either, but it actually seems to be true. Um, They're doing a sequel to This Is Spinal Tap, which which came out in 1984 so it is older than i am i will say that uh thanks for that (laughs) (laughs) but the the idea i guess for this one at least this is what is being reported in variety is that the sequel is going to be in the style of martin scorsese's the last waltz um which was kind of the last concert of the canadian rock group the band uh and will like actually feature musicians coming on. And I think that this is a great idea. It's like, perfect. Yeah. Like when they said, oh, Spinal Tap, you know, this is Spinal Tap 2. I was like, uh, what are they going to do? Like, how are they going to kind of equal that? It's like, this is a great idea. This is a fantastic idea. And um, yeah, I would definitely be down for it. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, well, we'll have to wait and see what actually comes of that. But I just um, hope that for the two on the Spinal Tap, if they go with this is Spinal Tap two, that they make the 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 two a Roman numerals, and then they make them look like ones, so it looks like <laughs> eleven. Goes <laughs> up to eleven. Um, and supposedly everybody's coming back. Rob Reiner um, is supposed to be directing. Michael McKean, um, Christopher Guest, and Harry Shearer are going to be back uh, to star. And like, I'm down for it. If that's what they're going to do, I, I, I do actually trust them. And I think that they could be great. So Totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I am in. Yes. Cannot wait for it. <laughs> So in terms of talking about sequels, since since we have started kind of on that jag, um, one of the things that, that I wanted to discuss a little bit is specifically Avatar. 
which is James James Cameron's film. I almost called him Jim. <laughs> it's like James Cameron, Jim Cameron's film uh, from 2009, right? Yeah. Uh, which is finally getting a sequel that has been discussed for like they fucking officially ages. Announced they were definitely doing a sequel in 2010. And then I think later in 2010 or maybe into 2011 was when they said, oh, it's actually going to be four sequels. There's going to it's going to be an anthology of five movies. And we're fine. And we're just I just want to think about this. This came out in 2009. The first film came out in 2009. We are just. Just. Yeah. Getting the first sequel to Avatar. Does anyone. I don't remember Avatar. I will be absolutely honest about that. Um, I like. I remember. I saw it in the movie theater. I saw it in 3D. I was like, "Oh, that's really impressive and pretty. Um, great." I do not remember. F- I, I remember fucking nothing about this movie. Like, I it, it's it's just this blank space for me. I do immediately know what people are talking about anytime I see the word unobtainium, because that's so freaking stupid. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's the only I, thing I remember from Avatar. Yeah, well, and it's really funny how offended people get whenever you say that like this movie really had no cultural footprint because nobody really remembers any details of it. And and people who love 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 Jim Cameron, uh, I'm just gonna keep calling him that because they do, um, as if they're all buddies. And it's just interesting how up in arms they get. And how offended they get at anybody suggesting that this movie, like, nobody cares about it. Even though it's like, I don't really see them putting in that much effort to care about Avatar either. You know, like, I don't see the Avatar cosplays at Comic-Con out in force. You know, I don't see, you know, big, big, you know, organized, you know, anything around where the where are the games where's you know like i just don't see people really truly caring about avatar they care about james cameron and try Mm -hmm. to pretend that they care about avatar because they care about james cameron well i'm weird and that's what's one of the weird things i think about avatar specifically and avatar's an odd um in many ways, it's it's unique in terms of the way that we view sequels. So it's not that common to have sequels come out, uh, whatever it is now, 13 years after the last film, right? Now, we're, we're talking about, you know, this is Spinal Tap, where the, the last film was made in 1984, but there, there wasn't this, like, sensation of we're going to, ha- you know, have multiple Spinal Tap sequels or anything like right. that. You know, like, like you say, the Avatar sequels were announced within about a year of the first film coming out. And we have not seen hide nor hair of them since. And, and now 13 years later, we're talking about, you know, we're getting um, the trailer for avatar Two: the way of, of the water, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. Um, And what is so weird about it is that, I mean, if we remember back to when avatar came out, a lot of the praise really was about its visuals. It was about yeah. the the CGI. It was about the the strides forward that Cameron had made when it came to CGI, when it came to the visuals, when it came to this kind of computer generated world, right? And it is undoubtedly it's a very beautiful construction. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of those shots of of Pen, you know, Pandora um, are seriously are... forgot that's what it was called. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Are, are gorgeous. Well, um, I think that we should talk about some of the other issues that are, are attached to Avatar in a minute. But um, but that's what was kind of touted about it. And there was this whole conversation. I mean, there was there was this sensation of just like, oh, this is you know going to be one of the most influential films of all time. And like you say, it really hasn't been. Like I, I think that certainly the CGI has been utilized and it's been used, but no one has really made films like that since. Right. Right. So there hasn't been, there wasn't a sudden explosion of like, we're going to create these whole CGI generated worlds in the same way. Yeah. Um, and in a weird way, it kind of ended not, not completely, but after this, I feel like, and maybe I'm misremembering, but I feel like 3d had been hitting kind of this big boom in the you know the latter part of the first decade of the 2000s and i feel like after avatar a lot of people went what's the point of trying to do 3d now 
So it's like, it almost, it's like it had the opposite effect. It didn't blow the lid off and like make 3D a more ubiquitous thing. It's like everyone just said, oh, I can't do that. So I'm just not going to, <laughs> you know. Well, it, it's it's true. And I mean, the strength of the film really is the immersiveness of it. And, um, and, and it, you did definitely have that experience. I think if you saw it in 3D. Uh, I remember people talking about not seeing it in 3D and a lot of the people who did not see it in 3D were way less impressed by it. Yeah. Um, and so, that. so I think that, but it does, you know, if we, if we've talked about, you know, Martin Scorsese's comments about these, about superhero films being amusement park rides, Avatar really is an amusement park ride. Mm -hmm. It's let's put you into this really spectacular world and kind of take you on a journey through it, which is fine. There's nothing They've wrong with that. They literally put, a, put together an Avatar like world at Disney World in florida yeah. <laughs> um and and it's gorgeous and it's attractive and whatever but it's it does it's not substantive at the end right. of the day and one of the problems with avatar is that when you actually took a step away from it so once you stripped it of the the kind of amazing visuals or whatever it's a really problematic film Mm -hmm. um it is and i i remembered i was i was saying to you um there was a a guy in my uh degree program at nyu so this this movie came out when i was still at nyu um who was uh was a, a, a native was native american and he had major problems with it and his immediate reaction to it was just like this is dances with wolves but more offensive yeah um, and, and it absolutely is. I mean, when you really step back and you talk about a, a white man lit literally putting on the skin of a native people that is being exploited by another, by the military mm -hmm. and becoming their savior. That's what happens in the film, right? That's majorly problematic. And, and it doesn't matter that these are blue cat people. It does not matter. It's still this, that's that kind of story. You're literally talking about white people putting on native people's skin. Yeah. And, and that's really distressing. The other <laughs> element of that, that you just were looking at this week a little bit more closely. Who played the native <laughs> people? Um, well, yeah, that's that's the other side of it is is that when when we began talking about this, again, I was like, how you know who played the what they're called the the Navi, right? The Navi or something like that. Navi or something, yeah. Um, and I just looked at the cast list, and the majority of the people, definitely the major characters, are all played by people of color. Mm -hmm. um, so you've got a white man, Sam Worthington, playing. Um, the, the the white guy who who puts on native skin and you've got a bunch of native people or a bunch of people of color playing the natives that Zoe he's Saldana, CCH yeah. Pounder, Wes Studi, Laz Alonzo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and looking at that you're kind of like this is this is more than just problematic. Um and, and I think that, and that's, this, by the way, this is the kind of thing that was talked about when Avatar came out. This is nothing yeah. new, right? Right. Um, this, but this was one of the major problems that a lot of people had with Avatar when it came out. The fact that I have not really seen many people discuss this um, with the announcement of the second Avatar. There hasn't been much actual conversation about what does, the sec what does Avatar mean in terms of its cultural context or in terms of the effect that it has had upon filmmaking, because as, as we're saying, it hasn't had that much of an effect. It right. didn't change the way that cinema worked. It didn't change the way that we made movies. There wasn't this, you know, suddenly you say, there wasn't this sudden outpouring of these kinds of films being made. So what is the actual cultural aesthetic impact of this, this film? Does it exist? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I, I i honestly i don't think that there is one um and this is a conversation i've had with a lot of people and this is where it comes back to what i was saying before that i feel like what has arisen is the cult of james cameron not this big group of people who really truly love avatar it's 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 interesting because even looking at what people are saying you know once this the trailer came out for the new one and everything like everyone's been saying, I told you don't you know, don't doubt James Cameron and I'm just like, but I don't I don't understand what I'm supposed to be excited about here. You know? Like this still doesn't seem like it's 
And, and, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot to try to really dive into a trailer and unpack, you know, what a trailer is. Cause there's so much that you're missing, but it's just very strange. Even just seeing how the people that are supposedly so excited for it, they're losing their shit over, you know, two minutes of basically animated footage, which does look cool, but they don't know anything about what this story is. They don't even seem to care. They just care that James Cameron makes movies that they like. Well, and that's what I find really bizarre about James Cameron hasn't made a movie since the last avatar as a director, right? right. right? He's, he's been a producer on a couple of films. I think he he's been a writer. He's been credited as a writer a couple of times, but he has not actually made a film since 2009. Correct. And, and that gives me, pause as well because the the world has changed since 2009 the industry has changed since 2009 and what technology is capable of has changed since 2009 and it seems like there's there's been no engagement with that there's been no conversation about like you know i i made a joke uh, not that long ago that you know i i hope that we have that we as a society have progressed beyond the need for avatar but it it is true like I don't know what the goal is here. You know, what is the goal of releasing these films again? You know, what is the goal of taking us back to a world that really didn't have that much meaning to begin with? Mm -hmm. um, and that was impressive because of what it was able to do with the technology and, and what it did visually. But is that really impressive anymore? Is that really something that we care about anymore? And, and I did definitely think like seeing that trailer, I was like, whatever like yeah fine you know i've seen i've honestly i've seen more impressive things in marvel movies now mm -hmm. well i mean it's funny that you say that because just this week there was a big story that came out it was um elizabeth olsen had sat down for an interview on dr strange in the multiverse of madness and um it was this like one of those gimmicky interviews where they have her strapped to a lie detector and they ask her a bunch of questions and they asked her about John Krasinski, who, spoiler alert, appears in Doctor Strange. And uh, she was just like, well, I've never met him. They have a scene together in the movie. And she was like, yeah, it's movie magic. They never actually met. You wouldn't know that from watching the movie. Because it, it, the way that it's cut together, the way it, it's done. I mean, now that I know, I'm sure I can go back and go, oh, yeah, look at that. They really aren't even on the screen at the same time. But you just don't notice it because of the way it's cut together. So it's, yeah, movies have done, movies do so much that anything that, that Cameron is putting together visually, I just... I, and I want to I want to be clear because some people seem to be misunderstanding what I've been saying. I'm not saying that this movie is going to be bad. I'm just saying I don't really care about it. And I I don't I don't think it's going to be good. It might look good, but I don't think it's going to be like this great movie. Well, and and I think that the problem the problem with that is that Avatar in itself is very hollow. Yeah. Um like like I was saying, the actual plot when you when you strip away the visuals, right? The actual plot is not particularly new or interesting. Right. The world that he's created is not particularly new or interesting. The characters are not new or interesting. No, so, they have so no what longevity. Is, yeah. So, what does it actually have? It's got pretty, pretty pictures, right? Which is is perfectly fine, but is not something that is going to stick. Right. Um, and and so it's it's this very weird like i say you know we have to wait and see and you know we've just seen a trailer and everything it's very weird to me that we're still doing this basically yeah. um that this that this still is a conversation even exactly uh so one of the things that i wanted to talk about uh, in terms of some of some of these issues with avatar and you know sequels coming out this late is sort of go to, to discuss some of these films that were meant to be game changers, that were meant to do things like launch franchises or alter the way that we think about film and that didn't, that, that failed at whatever they were trying to do. Um, so one of the things I wanted to start with is, is some of the failed franchise starters. And one of the big ones um, is, is Di Disney, Disney, Disney tried. Uh, Disney <laughs> attempted tried a attempted a number actually of uh, of launching a franchise that just never got off the ground for one reason or another. One of the big ones was John Carter, 
um, which was based on a, a series of Edgar Rice Burroughs novels um, that were kind of supposed to be these, these, it was supposed to be this like major kind of franchise thing. And pretty much nobody saw it. The film came out in 2012. Uh, it, it did not launch the franchise. It did not particularly interest people, but it actually, if you look at some of the stuff with John Carter, it actually has some, some similar things with Avatar. Um, <laughs> in, in this idea of like this, this white man coming into this, this alien species, right? And, uh, and engaging with them and also um, becoming a savior and things like that. Uh, which, you know, if you know some of the history of Edgar Rice Burroughs, that might be a little problematic when you really think about it, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs was also wrote Tarzan, and if you've ever read any Tarzan novels, the original Tarzan novels, they were painfully racist, like shockingly so. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So yeah, that's always fun. the The other major Disney um, franchise that that never never really got off the ground was um, the Lone Ranger, (laughs) which, in looking back. In looking back, you know, at the time, I actually enjoyed The Lone Ranger. I did too. For what it was. Uh, I, Shawnee Depp was not great casting for, for Tonto, but, you know. It was problematic casting, but yeah. he, he, <laughs> I'm not going to defend his performance. But, um... It was fun. The, the film yes. itself was fun. Yes. Of course, Thank now. You. Of course, now we are... Although I will say, I think the real reason that that franchise never happened is because uh, the nephew's horse was not named um, Kevin or whatever it is from... (laughs) 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 Sorry. In uh, A Christmas Story, that's one of the questions on the the, um, crossword that dad is doing. What is the name of the Lone Ranger's nephew's horse? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i think that yeah anyway. that was the problem yep uh yeah so uh, obviously the lone ranger would start johnny depp and army hammer um <laughs> great casting choices both again both of them actually very good in their respective roles yes. in the film not great in retrospect uh but it took a few years to find out how bad yes so it took a number of years to find out but so, the, I mean, these were films that really were intended. They were, these were big budget films. They had big stars. They were intended to, you know, launch franchises. They were intended to be kind of more than that. And actually, in, in some ways, you know, we, we make jokes about people, you know, saying like, oh, nobody wants to go see uh, non-Marvel movies anymore. It's just like, well, y'all obviously didn't go see John Carter. And <laughs> now look at where we are. They just yep. like put all of their money into the MCU. Uh, so that's your own fault. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. th- I mean, I do think that there were other films that, um, that were better. One of, one of the problems is that actually, if you, if you Google a lot of these things, a lot of the films that were meant intended to be franchise starters weren't that good to begin right. with, right? Um, and so films like, uh, like Aragon, films like Van Helsing, Prince of Persia, Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. These these were not particularly good films. One that was interesting to me was the Lemony Snicket because those books there are thirteen books, and the the first movie. I mean, they did okay with it considering they were trying to just turn it into a movie, but they crammed like three books into one movie, and it was just a lot. Um, Jim Carrey played the main bad guy in that count olaf and he was really good the casting was 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 fun but it just it felt like they were just trying so hard to to make it just too fast and so it really did work so much better as a series because it, it ended up being a three season series on netflix it's funny because it'll pop up in like canceled too soon articles sometimes and i'm like no it was always planned as three seasons like that's just how it worked but they spent two episodes on every book and really explored that world and made it a lot of fun so sometimes that's really the problem is that the movie isn't the way to tell that story well a, a good example is the golden compass yeah 
um, that that's another one that the 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 film and I I honestly never read the books, but everyone that I know has read the books is basically like yeah they tried to conflate too much, mm-hmm. um, and they it, it is that that sensation of they're making they're trying to, to you know with the Golden Compass and also to a certain extent the Chronicles of Narnia films. Um, which kind of petered out <laughs> after a while. Yeah. Uh, but it was this, it was almost this attempt to do Lord of the Rings a second time. So it was, it was an attempt to, uh, to replicate certain um, elements of fantasy movies. And it just didn't work. And the Golden Compass is a good example. The f- there's nothing wrong with the source material. Um, although in some ways it's very, it's somewhat passe now, but uh it it they tried to do so much in a single film it was next to impossible to follow mm-hmm. uh and and they were conflating they were conflating characters they were conflating plot lines and they were trying to kind of set up for this big epic franchise that never really came to fruition yeah yep exactly um another one that was that was mentioned a number of times is speed racer which i am sad did not actually get a franchise <laughs> Um, which is just such an incredibly bizarre film. In some ways, I understand why it didn't get a franchise Uh, because I I don't, I don't think we were ready as a nation to accept Speed Racer into our hearts. (laughs) Clearly. (laughs) But so, so those kinds of films that are intended, right. In a lot of ways to, to launch something, to be the series starter, to be, and some of them do get sequels, right? So there are some franchises. So I referenced Chronicles of Narnia. Those films went on for a little while, but then they kind of just sort of petered out. They stopped, people stopped caring. People stopped being interested in them. It was like, they didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but but those kinds of things are intended to be these like, cult, the, these arbiters of culture almost, these, these cultural touchstones. And they don't wind up being like that. And some of it is because they're not very good films. Some of it is because they they seem to be trying to duplicate what more successful films were, were doing. So actually trying to replicate stuff like Avatar, um, which in many ways was successful partially because it didn't have an immediate sequel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it would have been interesting to see what had happened if Avatar 2 had come out in like 2012. Yeah, no, exactly. And um and I and we're never going to know, I think, because I think it's difficult to make an argument for Avatar even within about a year um as being particularly culturally important. Right. And and that's part of it. In order for a franchise to kind of stick, it has to come at the right time and it has to it has to give something to the audience, right? The audience. So there's got to be something that the audience understands, the audience identifies with, um, the audience feels is important about it. And some of these films, I think it just didn't hit in the right way. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not entirely certain why. Like, I don't know necessarily why Speed Racer, except for being a very odd series. Yeah. Or a very odd film, visually odd. But I don't know why necessarily it didn't hit in the way that uh, it could have. And that it might have five or six years later. Right. Well, and then sometimes you get a really good uh, movie that would off that would make an awesome franchise. And there's other things going on behind the scenes that make that not happen. Like Dick Tracy. Yeah, that's a good Which, point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dick Tracy was great. That's such a fun movie. It, um, it, it, really i mean it did amazing things with makeup and costume design and stuff it was really great to bring that comic character to the screen and um i mean i still to this day i look at al pacino in that and i'm just like how is that al pacino you know (laughs) like it sounds just like him but it does not look anything like him at all and it's all with makeup it's not visual effects it's cool but I guess there were problems, you know, behind the scenes with D- between Disney and Warren Beatty. And so they never could get anything else off the ground after that movie, which is is really too bad, you know. Like, and this happens a lot when when studios and and talent start fighting over profits. And, you know, that happened with um, um, I mean, they got it resolved, but New Line and Peter Jackson fought over a Lord of the Rings um, 
profits for a long time. And to the point where Peter Jackson almost didn't get to make The Hobbit, they were going to have someone else direct those movies, but then they end up figuring it all out. But but yeah, that's like a big problem that happened with uh, with Dick Tracy and why we never got more of that. I was going to say, speaking of The Hobbit, it would have been much better if Peter Jackson had not directed The that's Hobbit. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> and and Do- Guillermo del Toro was the one who was uh, set up to do The Hobbit. Yeah, he would have been great. And then he and then he lost it and Peter Jackson came back on and we got three films instead of what should have been at most two. At, at most. most. But really, The Hobbit's a short enough book that you it's could a, have told a really good movie in one. It's a 300 page book. Mm-hmm. Kids book. It's a it's a kid's book. Yeah. It's not well, an that's epic. The thing is a lot of those pages are description, which you're going to see on the screen. <laughs> you don't need. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Anyways, yes, there are times when you do want films to be taken away from directors, and that's one of them. That's true. Um, well, but I mean, on on the other side of it, I think that films are very often more successful actually when they're not they're when they're they're taking a chance. And and actually, in thinking about this, think about films like and it's unfortunate to have to reference them right now, but um, films like the first Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. which was in a lot of ways taking a chance. Taking a chance on Johnny Depp and, and Jack Sparrow was, it was a difficult sell initially. Yeah. Um, and and it worked. It worked so well. It was such a popular film. It did kind of ignite this franchise, which got progressively worse as, as it went on. But, um, but it also ignited kind of, uh, again, that new cultural moment where people really latched on to pirates yeah um well and that's the thing is like even as the movies got worse they were still drawing audiences it wasn't until the fifth movie that it really started to to tank as far as money went they were all still making oh, yeah. money because people loved loved him they loved the character yeah and that was a chance that was that uh that disney took that was a chance that gore Verbinski took that was a chance that depp took actually mm-hmm. and it worked it absolutely paid off Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man was a chance. Yeah, big time. Um, yeah, you think about like... Especially and, if you know his history, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You think about his history, you think about the place that he was in his career at that point. That was a big kind of, all right, we're going to take a risk here at casting this guy. And it, it I mean, look at how it worked. Mm-hmm. It worked in a really major way. And so I think a lot of those, the the franchise starters or even the films that kind of wind up being these very historically and culturally important films are a result of people being like, we're going to take a chance on this and see what happens. Yeah. Um, and and so there, there's the flip side of, of what we're talking about. Um, there are a lot of films that, that made this major cultural impact that didn't really mean to. <laughs> Um, one of my favorite examples is Casablanca, which is widely considered to be one of the greatest films ever made. It's definitely uh, one of my favorite films ever made. It is. It's a. It was intended and it was created as a B picture. Um, Ronald Reagan was supposed to be in it initially. It wasn't supposed to be Bogart. Uh, it it was. It was well, and actually, if you look at the films that surround it, right, films that have been released by Warner Brothers in the same period. Um, there are a lot of films that are very similar, right? So it's it's the it's the kind of noirish uh, cast of characters. It's the the reluctant hero, you know, all of that. This was a B picture, and what really elevated it was the performances, the writing, the directing, everything. But it wasn't supposed to be this big film. It wasn't a prestige picture. It was a small B movie that turned out fantastic Mm -hmm. Uh, i I mean i don't really have anything to add to casablanca (laughs) but it's yeah i mean it's uh it's funny how certain things just kind of hit right i mean (laughs) star wars was one that that was a big yeah in 1975 or whatever when george lucas was writing it like i i was watching the the spielberg documentary that's on HBO and there's this part where where Spielberg talks about the first time that George Lucas showed him and and I think Coppola was in there and a couple of other you know those that group of directors at the time and he was showing them 
the script and they were all just like, this is ridiculous. And Spielberg kind of says he was the only one that was like, I think you should keep going with this. Everyone else was like, this is going to ruin you. And, you know, he went forward and now we know what happened as a result. But that was another one just talking about making big chances and taking big risks. I mean, basically a a bunch of like robots and puppets (laughs) in space. It never should have been the cultural phenomenon that it was, but it completely changed that. I mean, that film in many ways changed the industry. It changed the way we look at musical score. It changed, you know, science fiction. It changed so many things. Well, and it doesn't seem to have been approached with the intention of doing that. Right. right. And, right. and which I think is how films are able to do that when they're not, and they're not trying to. Yeah. Uh, another one that, that I thought it was, was something like Halloween, which even if you look at some of the interviews with John Carpenter, John, John Carpenter is like, this is a schlock movie. Like it's intended to be a haunted house basically. Yeah. Um, and and it's very good. It's very well executed. It's very smart. It actually part of its brilliance is in the fact that it isn't terribly complicated, mm-hmm. um, but it's really good at what it does, right? right. But well, and, sorry, you don't go on. Well, I was just gonna say I think Scream is is uh, on the flip side of that. I think is very much the same way where they were they were trying to make a movie that was for horror fans, and it ended up like drawing in a whole bunch of new horror fans. Yeah, exactly. It's it's that it seems like that uh, that trying to create something that is going to have a major impact is not the way to actually have a major impact. Right. Um, and and very often we don't know what is going to be important um, when a film comes out necessarily. So you've got films that that were box office failures that wound up being these incredibly important films. It's a wonderful um, life. Yeah, is one that that was a big failure and and got you know blasted when it came out and look at it now it's got it's had this very long life. Um, Blade Runner, which mm-hmm. you know definitely the original film is is a fantastic film and again very influential film. Yeah, uh, and and just, you know uh, Ridley Scott fought constantly with the studios over it. There are like fifteen different versions of it running around. <laughs> um, but it, it turned out to be really important. It's aesthetically very important. Um, it, it is a major, again, it's one of those major cultural touchstones, but it was never, you did, if you looked at it in the time period, you would have been like, no, absolutely not. Similar in a lot of ways to, to Star Wars. Um, Star, and honestly, Star Wars does look stupid on paper. Like if you look yeah. at Star Wars, just like, that's dumb. That's mm-hmm. a dumb idea, you know, and and it, it works because because George Lucas made it work and the actors made it work. And there's there's a scrappiness and a grittiness to it that actually makes it successful. And so it's like, exactly. we're going to take a chance on this. We're going to see what happens. Yeah. And it was successful. And they they lean into the hokiness of it, too. They allow it to be a little bit cheesy. And that was actually kind of part of the point, at least in the first movie. And, you know, that's, yeah, that's all part of why it works so well. It knew what it was and it didn't, it didn't try to be bigger than, than it was for the time period. I think what we see uh, with some of the later, you know, movies, the prequels and sequels, I think that's where the real problems with Star Wars started to come in because it tried to be, then, then it was trying to force itself to be something else. Yeah, it became, it began to believe its own mythology. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. Really, I, I don't know, it's an it's an interesting issue. And, you know, to go back finally to Avatar, we'll have to wait and see what impact Avatar actually makes. Um, I think that a lot of people are going to go see it, are going to go see the sequel, um, simply to kind of see it, to see what it's like, mm-hmm. to see what happens. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like that particularly the hype surrounding it right now is that is this attempt to force it into this major moment that doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, it has been really interesting to see some people that are very much like this movie is going to be amazing talking about how like, you know, don't doubt James Cameron, like I was saying before. But at the same time, they're already coming up ex- for with excuses for it not maybe making hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. Um, it's like they're they're trying to have it both ways. 
So it's like, if it's a big hit, they definitely knew it all along and they never doubted. But if it doesn't make a ton of money, then, well, it's all our fault. We've been too cynical and it, you know, they're, they're going to have a whole bunch of excuses ready. <laughs> well, I always love that it's all our fault. We've been too cynical. It's like, listen, there is no one forcing me to go see movies. I get to decide what movies I watch and what movies I don't watch and what movies I pay for, et cetera. <laughs> so if I decide I don't want to see James Cameron's new movie, I'm not going to go see it. Like it's the, yeah. the idea that like, well, it's all your fault for being too cynical. It's like, <laughs> okay, but I don't give a shit about Avatar. Like right. I, I don't feel that I am morally obligated to, to support this film. Exactly. Um, leave me alone. <laughs> ah, people are fun. Anyways, any final thoughts about Avatar or our many failed franchises? <laughs> um, no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> I do wish that there was that there was more Dick Tracy, but it, I I would be really worried if they were to announce that they were rebooting it now because I would be afraid of who they might cast in certain roles, and you're never gonna. Never gonna recreate that magic of Warren Beatty and Madonna. <laughs> it's just it, it is such an odd film. Like mm -hmm. it's very in some ways. I get I, I would get why I wouldn't get a sequel in itself because it's so odd because they took it everything very literally. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, it's like that's a fascinating choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to watch that movie again. It's been a while. It is. It's a. It's a. It's a movie, definitely. Yeah, but also watch the Lemony Snicket series on uh, Netflix. It's really well done. I'd never read any of like the Lemony Snicket books. It no? was never no, it was never a thing. I read them with my sister because she's much younger than me, and she was super into those. She <laughs> she didn't like Harry Potter because um, she liked books about things that were real, so she preferred Lemony Snicket. <laughs> I was like, um. Can we talk about logical fallacies? Can we have that discussion? <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, but yeah, so I read them with her because she was super into them. So they were really cute books. They're um, they definitely are are dark and and sad and unfortunate, um, but in a very funny and entertaining way. So interesting. Yeah, interesting. Well, speaking of sad and unfortunate, it's <laughs> gonna edge right in there. I wanted to talk really briefly about um, The Northman, which I finally got to see. And you mean unfortunate by the story, not by your feelings about it. Correct? Oh, no, I loved it. I thought I thought it was great. You know, Robert Eggers has has hit for me. He's three out of three now. Um, and and I absolutely adored it. But it is on VOD. So you can you can rent it on various platforms, Amazon, Redbox, uh, YouTube, etc cost 20 bucks. It's honestly worth it. This was one that I was like, you know, I'm going to go for it. Jesus Christ, what a film. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I was, I kind of knew going in semi what to expect. It's, it's exactly what you would expect. Robert Eggers, who directed The Witch and The Lighthouse, um, directs a Norse <laughs> mythological revenge saga. You know, we didn't talk about this before, but I feel like we should do a just a short, like twenty minute or so, like bonus, and just really deep dive into the Northmen. Yes, no, I I absolutely agree with you. Because I just, I think there's some good stuff to talk about. I I think that there definitely is. I just really wanted to say that like it it really is a good film. Um, it's exactly what I think it needed to be, and yeah, like I I, I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm so glad you did. I I figured you would. Um, I was really glad that I did too. Um, it was funny because the day that I saw it, and I was texting you afterwards that I had seen it, and you were like, uh, "I think you asked, D is it good?" And I said yes, and also I think I liked it, <laughs> which with for me with Robert <laughs> Eggers, those are two different questions because. I think that The Witch and The Lighthouse are both very good movies, but I don't like them. <laughs> have you seen, have you rewatched The Witch? I still haven't. Okay. I know. I, I've been promising to, and I mean to, and I, I will. Um, but, and I, I really think that I will probably find a lot more to enjoy about it, uh, watching it again. 
But um, but yeah, it's it's just it's funny because there's just Robert Eggers as a director. There's just something about him where it's like, even though I don't enjoy his movies, I can still appreciate his skill as a director. He does not make bad movies. I no, I understand that absolutely. I I do think with the lighthouse is its own thing. Um, I think that with the witch, I've I appreciated the witch more the second time I watched it because I, I began paying more attention to the actual language that was being used mm-hmm. and how he builds the plot versus trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. And that's, <laughs> that's one of the problems I think with the witch is that it, it definitely is one of those films that benefits from multiple viewings. Okay. Um, so yeah, watch the second time. If you're still like meh, not for me, then, then that's, you know, totally cool. I would just suggest to 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 try it a second time. Um, you know, getting knowing what you already know about it, right? Uh, because yeah, definitely the language that's used in that I think is really good. That's one of the things I liked about the North the the Northman actually is is that it is in a lot of ways a lot more accessible than that's, the witch or yeah. The that that's the thing I was actually gonna say. I find it's so funny because it's it's definitely the most brutal. Uh, it's very, very violent, and yet somehow it's the most accessible of his three. Yeah, it's it's more it's more straightforward. I think I said it's it's more narrative. It's more straightforward in a lot of ways. It's a recognizable plot. True. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, based on Hamlet, after all. Yeah, and. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but even without even bringing Hamlet into it, it's just like he, he it's a it's a kid who, you know, his father is is killed by his uncle and he vows vengeance. Mm-hmm. It's just like, OK, that's we, we know we can we can follow the plot pretty easily based upon that. Um, and so. So, yeah, it it is. But he does so much with the mythology and so much with the the structure of the societies and kind of plunges you into it without while keeping it very accessible, like I say, without making it so esoteric that you're like, I'm going to have to learn Norse to understand what the hell is going on. (laughs) Better learn some Icelandic. (laughs) (laughs) I also, and you know, if if we're going to do a smaller episode about this, I, I will, I will hold back on certain things, but as, as a woman of Slavic descent, there were definitely certain things about this film that I greatly appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, any final thoughts before we close everything out? Um, watch more movies, especially The Northman. As always, yes. Which is available on VOD now. It is 100% worth it. And also watch all the Paul Feigs. <laughs> so that they can get sequels. Yes, exactly. The Paul Feig universe. Yep. I need it. I need it to happen now. <laughs> Well, I think that is going to close us out uh, for this week. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And of course, we extend a wonderful thank you to our lovely patrons who include Adriana, Ali, Brian, Connor, Estefania, Heather, James, Kathleen, Cariata, Mason, Matt, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Robert, Robert, Steve, Sharon, Tao, and Will. Thank you so much, guys, uh, for continuing to support us. And if you would like to join our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash citizen dame, and you will get bonus episodes and fun little things and more stuff that will be coming very shortly. We also have our Ko-Fi, that's ko-fi.com slash citizen dame, where you can throw us a couple of dollars if you feel like it without making any sort of commitment. Um, we do have our Zazzle store, zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod, where you can buy t-shirts and other fun stuff. Um, and you can read our reviews, including uh, Karen's review of, I always called you Karen, I'm sorry, um, <laughs> including Karen's review of the new Doctor Strange film. And I think I'm going to try to write a review of The Northman, actually. Um, that's citizendamepod.com. You can also get in touch with us a multitude of ways. Our email is citizendamepod at gmail.com. And we are on Twitter and Instagram at citizendamepod and letterboxd at citizendame. You can, of course, get in touch with us individually. I am on Twitter, Instagram, and letterboxd at lhbusiness. Karen, where are you? I am on Twitter, Instagram, and letterboxd at Karen M. Peterson. And that will close us out for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. I simply observed the gentle smurfs at first. 
I wanted to understand how they could live such simple and decent lives. They were wary of me at the beginning, but slowly I began to earn their trust. It wasn't long before the gentle Smurfs accepted me as one of their own. The Smurfs and I grew to understand each other. They shared with me their art of picking Smurf berries. And I shared with them stories of my country's forefathers. Of course, it wasn't long before I fell in love with Smurfette. We're from two different worlds, and yet we spoke the common language of passion. Papa Smurf was displeased at first. He told Smurfette I wasn't a real Smurf and we could never be happy. But I eventually proved myself to Papa Smurf by picking more Smurf berries than any Smurf had ever Smurfed before. Finally, all was right with the world. But then, a crisis. Clumsy Smurf burst into the Smurf ceremony to say that humans had come to destroy all of Smurfland. No! No, you must leave the noble Smurfs alone! Who's behind all this? 